Distractions. This is Mitchell Kroll. I'm here with Benson Anderson, as always. How you doing, Benson? Good. How are you? All right. All right. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been quietly a while. Not for you listeners, but we have not recorded for almost two weeks. Yeah, it's been a long time. We did the the Coffin episode like two days after we recorded the sports the sports episode. That's right. So. Or, was, or was it the music episode? I think it might have been music. Might have been a music, music episode. Yeah, yep. for sure it was music. Uh, yeah, so it's been a little while for us. Yeah, um, and we're back to around. Catch up on. Yeah, and we're back kind of around to the original topic. Yeah, so we've made it one full cycle. Yeah, we've rounded third. We are. We've rounded home. home. We're headed back to first. I, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like in a. What's that game we used to play? It's like you, the game. With, it's like the kickball game with the hula hoops. Yes. Yeah. And you have like you had you had around every base. That twice. was a blast. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, great. Good great, game. Great workout. Yeah. So anyway, today we're yeah, like I mentioned, like I alluded to, we're back into movies, TV. I know Benson has some uh, video game stuff that he wants to talk about. Oh I, yeah. And I have some stand up comedy stuff that I want to talk Perfect. about. Perfect. I guess they all so. they all sort of fit. Yeah, just things you'd watch on a screen, basically, yeah. is what this week is about. Yeah, this this I category is I about. Dig. Yeah. Uh, so I know you have a an, an appointment this evening. I do, I do. <laughs> so um, it's uh, October twenty fifth. And GameStop has decided to sell Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, three hours early before release. Um, so I'm heading over there at 10. I don't want to be on the line. Yeah. Um, Wait, so what time does it start? What, it, it, like they'll sell it at 10, you said? They'll, they'll sell it at 9. At 9, so it's three hours. But the, cl- the store closes at 10. So I would rather oh, so not you wanna... wait in the line and grab it. That I'm is just, annoying. I'm so close, though, that yeah. I'm just, like, I can just drive over there. That's super annoying, though, that they like they say, hey – it's this hour before closing will sell it to you. Yeah, I think they might stay open longer. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. They're probably they probably do so well business wise then that they're probably fine to stay open another 15 20 minutes. Right. They they can tease it like the last hour we're open come and get Red yeah. Dead Redemption yeah. but then they'll stay open longer. Yeah. So Red Dead Redemption 2 um the review em- me too. the yeah, the <laughs> the, the review embargo lifted this morning uh, at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard. And so um, those are a review embargo. Yeah, there usually there usually are. They should be those for movies too. There usually are. What's, I feel like there are. What's aren't. interesting is that a lot of the movies that opt to not have a review embargo mm-hmm. suck. Interesting. And I don't know if there's like a correlation there, but the movies over the past few months that I've seen that have done like they've let the Rotten Tomato score sort of come out two weeks early. Yeah, have been so low underwhelming yeah jurassic world as you know terrible the most despised movie of the year for me um venom and now bohemian rhapsody yeah and i don't know if they think this that these movies are good and that the critics will get people to go and see them but personally i think it's made the i thought the opposite effect of like maybe i'm interested in seeing jurassic world but i know two weeks out that it has a 44 percent rotten rating yeah and like that's Rotten Tomatoes is problematic because it acts like it's a it's a, it's a grade, but really it's just an aggregator of like pl- of like positive or negative reviews. Right. But forty four percent is not good. Yeah, maybe maybe it has something to do with the fact that like uh, bad movies they kind of they don't want people to be surprised. Yeah, like like if there there's something about Solo that underwhelmed you and it underwhelmed a lot of people. Maybe they anticipated that. And yeah. Just like, all right, we're gonna get it out of the way. We're gonna let people know. Like this is not. They're still gonna see it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And Solo is the was the best scored of those four. Yeah. Solo has seventy one, I think. But Star Wars people have strong opinions, as sure. I know from you. Um, what's interesting is is 
you know, they kept talking about how The Last Jedi was terrible and, like, ruined the franchise. A I lot of Star Wars Jedi. people did. Yeah. I liked it, too. It's the best-selling Blu-ray of the year. That's so funny. And, well, it's still unsurprising. And Solo is the best-selling Blu-ray since September when it came out. Hmm. So, so even uh, though they killed the franchise. Yeah. And I wonder how many people, like, boycotted seeing Solo in the theater and then went and, like, bought the DVD the day it came out because they still like Star Wars a lot. Yeah, or they, like, regretted the fact that they missed it or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, know. Well, Red Dead Redemption 2 looks pretty sweet. It does. Um, I read a review today that said it was, like, very unfun was the word that it used. <laughs> like, in a in a beautifully, like, kind of depressing way. And it could really change the way that people look, ab- look at video games as, like, an art form. <laughs> Especially as, like, long-form TV shows become sort of more of the norm than, like, movie franchises. Yeah. Um, this is a 60-hour story line. Yeah. It's um, a lot like uh, The Witcher 3. I watched yeah, one Yeah, I love The Witcher that 3. That game is really long. Um very long, but like there's that's the the story of this game sixty hours to complete, and that's without doing any of the plethora of other things that you can do in this game. Right. Like you, you, it's one of those games where you could spend ten, fifteen hours before you even like get really into the story. That's pretty cool. Um, it is pretty cool, and I and I I think a lot of the side missions, like in Witcher Three, are like their own little sort of mini stories. Yeah. That, like, a game could honestly be based off and of. You get, like, DLC and stuff. Yeah. That was, like, one of my favorite parts of that was one of my favorite parts of Witcher 3 was you'd pick up a contract and then it would turn into, like, its own narrative instead yeah. of just, like, go kill this thing. And then it's, like, here's your money. Without, like, you didn't even have to talk to anybody. Like, it just gets kind of, like, put in your account. Yeah. In your, like, medieval bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a cool game. I, yeah, um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is, like, one of the ones that I would be, like, maybe this kind of thing is a thing that I would play if I had the option to. Yeah. Just because I think... I enjoy the art of storytelling, and like, I think that's more fun for me than a video game. Yeah, I'm but very I think excited. This does well for me, and, and and I think it's a nice mixture because there are studios like Telltale Games who do like story based games where yeah, it's like kind of point and click. I like them a lot. I played um, the Game of Thrones one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's all right. Um, oh, oh, yeah. The original <laughs> you songs are pretty it? hilarious. You didn't love it? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I thought it was kind of fun to make fun of, but um, it was enjoyable. But The Walking Dead was great. I heard that was good. Um, the Wolf Among Us was also great. I heard that's great. Um, I liked the Game of Thrones, but that's because I was a big Game of Thrones fan at the time. Like, yeah. That was like right as m- like my peak fandom was there. Interesting. How do you feel about it now? Oh, I still love it. Yeah. But it's been a year, and we still have a year to go. I thought season seven was weak. Yeah, I thought season seven was like kind of felt a bit like fan service. Yeah. But um, it was so compressed, and they tried to do so much with like so little time, and it's weird that like. HBO was like, hey, make more episodes. And the creator's like, nah, we're going to make 13 more episodes. And then they had to, like, cram it all in. Like, why did you not just make more episodes? The money was there. I'm hoping that um, this next season, that's, I think, eight feature-length episodes. Yeah. George R. R. Martin is more involved. Maybe makes up for it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I hope so. The problem is, once season six ended, I think that was the end of the books. Right. He needs to be more involved. So the writers themselves didn't have a whole lot of, like, of the beef to... Make that to make the the episodes off of yeah um and what and what made the first six seasons so unique and good in a lot of people's minds right. was all of like the the peripheral sort of exterior things happening yeah I think I have a lot of friends who have read uh, all the Game of Thrones books and none of them are like these are amazing works of fiction but they all read them and they're like you know they they go to interesting places like I think. Martin and I haven't read anything, so I'm talking out of my ass. But like, I think he's like a good storyteller and like a good world builder. Yeah, I think and so too. And and then without 
that element of it in season seven, maybe that suffered a little bit. Yeah, and I I, it's kind of unprecedented for the adaptation of the book series to like outpace. Surpa- yeah. yeah, like I can't. I'm trying to think of like what that would be. Like, can you imagine like watching? Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie before the book came out and It'd being be like, weird. I can't wait for the book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I don't know. As, like, I'm, we'll talk about this in a month. Yeah. I think the books are far superior than the movies when it comes to Harry Potter. Yeah. But even still, I'd be like, I, the excitement for the book, the, the continuation of the story in literary form would be like, this is just a novelization of the movie. Right. With some more fleshed out, fleshed out stuff. Yeah. 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 So... Anyway, the thing that I wanted to talk about before yeah. we get in is uh, I've been watching a little bit, and I've been watching it in pieces because I'm not hugely into sitting down and watching hour-long stand-up specials because I think, I don't know, I just get tired of laughing at the same person every while. <laughs> but um, I've been watching Adam Sandler's uh, new stand-up special on, on uh, Netflix, and it's uh, it's really funny. And it's cool. That it's like not like any stand-up uh, special you've ever seen because it's like, you know, Adam Sandler obviously has a ton of money invested in him from Netflix, and it shows in the way this thing's produced. It's almost like they it, it goes from show to show, so and it all kind of films through as one uh, special. But like, it's probably shot at like fifty different locations, and it kind of cycles through them. It, like inner joke, like one joke will start in one show, and then it'll cycle through maybe five shows before the the joke is ended. It's really cool. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, there's one, like, really long three-minute song that maybe goes to, like, 20 different venues while he's doing it. And huh. it's it's really just, like, interesting to look at. And the jokes are funny. It's Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah. Being good Adam Sandler. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, supposedly, at the end, I don't – maybe I won't spoil it because I spoiled it for myself and I won't spoil it for anyone who wants to watch it. There's, like, uh, a narrative? Not really, but there, but I guess there is a special kind of thing at the end that okay. is not funny and kind of touching. Gotcha, um, cool. Yeah, so I just like, I think you should watch it too. I don't yeah. know if you're a stand-up guy, but um, I, I'm, I'm not, but I, I'm not not. Yeah. Like I've never sat down and been like, I'm gonna watch stand-up. But whenever yeah. someone like sits me down and is like, Hey, I'll watch this stand-up. I'm usually rolling. Gotcha. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, Adam Sandler, we talked about this earlier, but, like, shaped my, ch- mm-hmm. shaped, shaped my childhood sense of humor. Me too, yeah. <laughs> really I, goofy and bad, like, bad movies. Oh, yeah, but, they're, but they're funny. They're, yeah. But they're funny. They have good jokes in them. Yeah, they do. Like, they're they bad do. movies. And he's such a goober. He is. That, that, and he's so strangely likable. <laughs> he's so likable. I mean, did you watch the Myrowitz Tales on Netflix? No. Oh, he was so, he was like, you felt bad for him in this. It's really? like. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's like done like a handful of things where you're like, okay, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Funny cool. people, I think we talked about on the pod. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he's great in that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's good to see him doing things because the other Netflix movies look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I've been interested in looking at um, House on Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah, I hear um, that's good. But I'm scared. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I really want to see it because it looks really cool, but uh, I, don't, I think I'm going to be really scared of you it. You should watch it with the lights on. I think I'd still be scared, but we'll with see. someone, yeah, maybe, maybe. You want to do it? Yeah. Okay. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Meredith would not. <laughs> yeah, I've been told I need to watch it too, and I am also like pretty wimpy when it comes to scary yeah. movies. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes again. We talked about it, but it said it was like the ninth. They ranked it as like the number nine best horror TV series ever. Huh. 
So that's pretty big. Like that was up with like Twin Peaks, American Horror Story, it's Stranger Peaks. Things. Horror. Is Stranger Things horror? Stranger Things gets pretty scary. I okay. I wasn't all that scared in Stranger Things. But oh, I'm I'm tough. You're a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> you're a tough guy. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So do you want to move on? We'll have we had, we each saw two of like the bigger October releases, I yes. think. I saw I saw I mean I saw the biggest one and you didn't see the biggest one. So right, I think that's right. the biggest one. Yeah. Well um, by far. A Star is Born is obviously the biggest October release. Yeah. Um yeah. you should see it. Box office wise, it's not, but that's okay. Um, what is Venom? Venom actually Dumb. set the box office record, and guess what's number two? What Halloween? Really for an, for an opening? Wow! Yeah. Over over a Star Is Born. Well, Venom definitely had more than a Star Is Born. Yeah. I think people sort of saw a Star Is Born the next weekend when it didn't like I don't lower. Remember too much. what else was I think coming out? The I next think it weekend. didn't. It didn't have too much of a fall from week one to week two. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Venom, I think did. Yeah. Um, I'm popping open another <laughs> one. That's rare. <laughs> how many how many heart attacks is that for you, Bob? Well, that <laughs> makes a baker's dozen for me. <laughs> so we, um, so you saw A Star Is Born. I didn't. We, we, we talked about A Star Is Born on the music podcast. We both saw First Man. We both saw Bad Times at the El Royale. Right. And I think, uh, well, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about First Man more than, than Benson did. I So I promised him we wouldn't fight because... He didn't like it as much as I did. I really liked it. And and I and I think you're allowed to not like I it. I too really liked it. My only thing is I don't ever want to see it again. Okay. Um because it was like kind of like an IMAX movie. It was yeah, definitely um, like that. Really really nice to look at, mm-hmm. but when you take it out of a big screen with like massive surround sound, yeah. I wonder how much is taken away. I think there are points in the movie that definitely translate to a small screen. Yeah. But like maybe a third of it wouldn't really. I agree with you that it is a better movie in theaters. It certainly is. I think, um, yeah. So for the, me, this movie is so much about like masculinity. And I think it's a story that could be told, um, kind of in any setting. It didn't really feel like a biopic to me. Like I, I knew like this is Neil Armstrong, but like it didn't, feel that way to me it felt like a a an emotionally repressed guy mm-hmm. who coped in like really weird ways like putting his life at risk and doing these like super intense uh space adventures i mean and 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 i think you wouldn't get the level of emotional um you know the the amount he's holding it in the amount he's like bottling it up uh without the intensity of the space scenes yeah which yeah so that I, I think that's why it resonated so much with me is because I, I like that story of like, I mean I, I think it it appeals to me as a as a ma- as a man I think it could appeal to masculine, masculinity in general or mm-hmm. kind of it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with like me being white, but I think like just like the expectations that are, uh, like emotion like put on men emotionally or maybe not even expectations but just like, the way society is set up that you're not supposed to. Be emotional, and I think yeah. that's. I think this movie shows how damaging that is. Yeah, I, I and guess I, that really hit me. I think I wish that there was maybe a bit more of like a turn. Yeah. So, in a lot of ways, I think this movie was like realistic to a fault. Okay. Um, Interesting. I think it was realistic to a strength. Um, because they're like Neil doesn't really change. Like, yeah. He still doesn't cope. It gets worse and worse. 
Um, yeah. He and continues it, to go further and further. And yeah, further. and even and and there isn't really a bounce off. It sort of just kind of valleys. And but, the movie ends in a place where you think maybe he is going to like be more of a human being. But I think he does. I think that's the point. But you don't see it. But you kind of do. It's hinted at. He he I don't want to spoil like the emotional peak of the movie, but I definitely cried during the emotional They peak. land on the moon. <laughs> yeah, but no, but the thing that he does on the moon, like it's so touching. Yeah. I definitely cried on the but, while they but were on the moon. Symbolically, I mean And then wait, but then but then back to what we were saying is he gets back to the the earth. I was gonna say he gets back to the states, but he gets back to the earth and he uh um, Both are true. Yeah. <laughs> And then he, like, you know, he sees his wife, and they, they have a moment, and then the movie ends. Like, I think that was very purposeful to show, like, hey, he made it to the moon, and, like, he has kind of used this grief in his life uh, as fuel and doing more and more dangerous things. And then he did it, and he kind of absorbed it all and, and, and moved past it. And, yeah. I think, and I think that's kind of the point of the movie is he kind of gets deeper and deeper as there's more and more death around him, and then... And then he and then he does it. He reaches the the moon. I'm glad literally. you were able to take it that way. I think I understood that that was maybe what they were going for. Yeah. But like in terms of structure, mm-hmm. so much of this movie was about them getting to the moon. That's true. Like I to me, it reminded me a lot of American Sniper. I liked this. I liked First Man a lot more than American Sniper. Yeah. But the the sort of argument for American Sniper as a good movie was that it was about like the repercussions and like the periphery of war yeah whereas this movie was supposed to be about the repercussions and periphery of like going to the moon and space travel and yet structurally the climax of the movie is is he going to have enough fuel to land on the moon which yeah. the last half decade tells us yeah well yeah it. I, it, well that's almost why it's not like a it's not for me obviously and for everyone who's watching it it's not supposed to be like suspenseful you know he's gonna land on the moon he's but gonna be fine but it's framed to be that way because you have like the fuel gauge counting down so yeah, I thought, and yeah it's i think it's like one of the longer sequences in the movie yeah is them I, landing on the moon it's like you know this happened right but but and 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 the point you kind of because you know it happens and i think it, it knows that and it's not trying to be suspenseful it's just trying to be intense and it's just trying to show you hey this is a guy who has to put him through put himself through or chooses to put himself through these super intense things. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of almost as a coping mechanism. Yeah. I don't know. I, I personally, it, and I think maybe that is, you know, I, that's kind of what I glean from it on first watch. And, um, maybe that's why, I don't know. And, and, and yeah, I think, I don't know that I'm saying you should rewatch this movie through these lens because I'm not sure that you see it again like well, i'm not sure that you you'd see it if I'm i did you. watch it through that lens because okay. i i mean you know they're gonna land on the moon right and you know that o- apollo one blows up mm-hmm. you know so much of the history of this movie yeah of like you know the 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 plot line that i wish that they had focused a little bit more on not what we already know yeah well i think they did a good job um I think with the thing that we both really liked about this movie, which was Claire Foy's performance. Yeah, Claire Foy, I think, was excellent. And she I think great. she maybe had the most dynamic performance, and I don't think it's particularly close. Well, that's certainly, I think that's the way Ryan Gosling's character was written. That's the way Neil's written. It's like right. he's not dynamic by choice. Right. And she is, she's an amazing character. I, the scene that really jumps to mind with her is when she goes in and talks to uh, you know, Kyle Chandler's character, mm-hmm. Coach Taylor, uh, and, uh, 
Yeah, and, and it's like you and you guys don't know what you're doing. You're little boys, mm-hmm. and you're building things. Like, I thought that was amazing. Like, yeah, no, she she's is, superb. Yeah, and I think like the movie did a great job. Um, like this wasn't the primary focus of it, but I think this movie did a great job, kind of painting uh, the uh, tr- struggle to get on the moon in in a mixed light. Mm-hmm. It, it's not in other movies you watch it and you're like, "Hooray, space travel! They're heroes! They're amazing!" Uh, you know, they showed the the Jill Scott the Jill Scott Heron song, the Whitey on the Moon song, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at space movies. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying though that the, like. It may be a little split, like because they're making that point, and they're also making this point about Neil Armstrong, like the emotional battling yeah. of masculinity, and 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 I see that. I think, I they... yeah, and it it felt like there there's a movie to be made almost about the whole like Whitey's on the moon thing. Yeah, for but sure. it was like a two minute montage. Then it was like okay, back to getting on the moon, where it was almost like 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 a, like a box that they felt right. like they had to check. Um, that's true, but I also don't think they ever painted it in like a positive light. I think throughout no, no, no. the entire movie, it was painted in a very negative light, and that's just one of the ways. And framed as like one hundred percent, just like uh, who's got a bigger dick against the United States or the Russians? Yeah, like the first thing that anyone says after um, was it Gemini Eight? Yeah, is that the one where they spun? Yeah, but yeah. they but they did it. They they, they did docked. it and then they, they like, docked successfully. Yeah, and and the first like thing anyone in mission up. control says, you can tell the Russians to go fuck themselves. That's true. And that was like, like the, that's the first thing you say, man. Yeah, like, you spent so much money just to like flex on the Russians. That's what life was like back then. Yeah, the yeah, Cold War, weird. man. Hindsight, goofy. Cold Real War's goofy. weird. Cold War's weird. I mean, like, not to get into things besides movies, but sure. like. You know, Great the, you cinematic know, material in the cold, in the Cold War <laughs> for sure. I think uh, uh, in our lifetimes we will not. So I, this is what I one of the things that I studied in college is like the makeup of the world, like the geopolitical makeup of the world and how to analyze it and that kind of thing. That was part of my major. And I, in our lifetime, it's going to be more Cold War like than it is like the past twenty five years when the United States was like the one great power in the world. Yeah, like China is is really big and really powerful. Yeah, and it's going to be a bipolar world again very soon, yeah. if not already. The whole so. thing I feel like with the Cold War was that everybody had their finger on a button, but it takes a lot to wipe out yeah. millions upon millions of people with the push of a button. I don't think it's. I think we're living in a world where that is less of a scare. I don't think we're living in a mad oh, world. Absolutely, yeah. but I think like in the 1960s where this movie takes place, like that was more just like a yeah, you know, like United States still has all the still has all the marbles. Still, like we still hold the. Yeah, I don't know. Still hold the cards. That's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> I suppose. Um, what do you think of the score of this movie? I, I liked you said it. You liked it. I did like it, and I know you're thinking it's like it's very La La Landy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked the sounds, uh, including the score. I liked the a little bit, the tiny bit of licensed music in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one or two songs. Yeah. Yeah, just the the record that yeah. he then he plays the tape in space. That was great. Um, that was like a nice little touching really moment, good, little subtle Really moment. good stuff when it does focus on Neil's relationships with people. Yeah. Just didn't do a whole lot of that. I, I also really liked the scene in terms of music when he was uh, in like the weird spinny. They, they have this like device that they train their astronauts not to pass out from oh, yeah, going yeah, crazy. Yeah. And there was like this thumping music. And it, it did sound a little uh, La La Landy. 
It did. I won't deny that. Yeah. Um, and the music, but on it the, worked. The music on the moon sounded very La La Landy as well. Interesting. I was too. I was too caught up in crying about uh, Neil. Yeah. Did you feel like when they got to the moon, it was kind of like, cool. You ready to go, Buzz? <laughs> no, that was awesome. <laughs> I know. I but, loved it. But I just sort of felt that way. It was he was like there, and it's just empty, and it's kind of boring looking, and he's just like, well, I saw it. Yeah, because I don't think I think <laughs> you ready for, to go <laughs> for Buzz. I think it was like that was the point. It's like to be on the moon. It's like yeah, he's jumping around and yeah, all this. Yeah, you see him and 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 Neil's like, all right, my challenge was getting here. Yeah. We're here. It's great. I am, uh, you know, going to do this really sad thing, look into space, and then walk back into the ship. Yeah, like it, yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Where it, like the. And they and they kind of played Buzz and, and Neil off each other a couple of times in the movie, which yeah. is really interesting. I thought like, Corey Stoll did a good job. He in did like a pretty limited role. He's so annoying. It was great, but so pragmatic. <laughs> you know, like like in a ba- like this is a this is a movie sort of where like Neil is pragmatic, but so is Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, and, and he, they just have different like approaches to prag- pragmatism. That's true. He's very Pra-pragmaticism. blunt. Pragmaticism. Well, the they the, the one thing is like Buzz in this movie, Corey Stoll's character is very, like he says what's on his mind, and right. that is the opposite of how you describe Neil. They they're kind of played off each other. Who literally you have no idea what's going on in his mind. Yeah, for most like, of the movie. They, there's that great scene with the press conference, and uh, like they ask each of them, like, are they going to bring anything special to the moon? And Buzz yeah. is like, yeah, I'm going to bring jewelry, you know, from my wife, and her jewelry is going to be on the moon. Blah blah blah. And then they ask Neil, and he's like, I'd like to bring more fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. When they, when they do explore, like, who Neil Armstrong is as a person. Yeah. But who this nice. character is. Yeah. I, for me, it's almost like he's a character. He's, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I did not feel like I it was know. super biopicky. Um, okay. We can we can move on from yeah, that. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job staying polite. Yeah. We didn't fight. No, no, no. Uh, no, I, I just – it felt like Neil was much of much more of a passenger – yeah. In the movie, and I think when there is something that, when there is a, a story that's structured with like a sort of character that doesn't have a whole lot of agency and is sort of like getting thrown through it, there needs to be maybe a little bit more happening within that sort of tunnel that he's being hurtled through. See, I don't feel like he didn't have agency. Okay, I felt like he, um, like he did. He chose to do everything that he did. He just didn't talk about it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a different approach, I think. Yeah. I, I it, it was an interesting movie. Yeah. Um, really good. I think I would watch it again, and I know you would not. I'm just not sure I would. Yeah. If I got a projector screen and, like, some nice-ass <laughs> speakers, I'd do it again, I think. That'd be and, fun. And there are points in the movie where I'm looking back at, and I say, like, you know, that was a really good moment. Yeah. Um, I think they did a pretty good job of casting people that look like they'd be astronauts in the 1960s. They did. Yeah, Kyle Chandler, man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that guy just looks like Kyle, he's from the 1960s. How 19- about Sierra and Hines? Yeah, yeah. That was great. Um, kind of a limited role for him. Yeah, it was, but the, it was um, interesting. The first guy who died, um, Ed, Edward was his name? Oh, yeah, he's uh, from uh, Almost Famous. Yeah, he looked he looked like a guy who would be alive in the 1960s yeah. as an astronaut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, Christopher Abbott, who was in uh, this TV show, The Sinner, that I really liked, which was about Jessica Biel killing someone out of nowhere. Was he the co-pilot in Gemini 8? He was the co-pilot in Gemini. Yeah. Yes, I think he, I thought he had a pretty good job. He did he a pretty good, good job too, because there's a moment where he kind of looks over at Neil Armstrong, like, "You really still like you're still here? Like you're 
you got us back on track here because yeah. like he passes he passes out immediately. Yeah, yeah. And Neil's like, I got this. Neil's man. the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he like puts all he uses all of that like emotional distress that he keeps bottled up as fuel to like yeah. continue to like work harder. It's like it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about this later. But like, does Gosling ever play a character who's not the shit? Yeah, I mean, I don't think many people would. I, I, I think he's the shit in this movie because of like his emo- his willpower. But like, he is objectively a terrible father in this movie. Oh, the worst, <laughs> the worst. He's awful. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, let's go bad, to bad, bad, bad times. times. Yeah. I since I was more passionate about this one, I'll let you talk more about fast times. Or wow, bad times. Um, that's gonna mess me up. What's up? I like this movie. It's really long. It is long. I thought there were a lot of really good characters. Yep. I, I liked that it kind of felt like a play. Yeah. I tend to like movies that kind of look, that kind of feel like they're being done on stage. I like movies that take place in like one setting and sort of like things evolve. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a more violent clue, like the movie Clue. Interesting. Like less campy. Um, takes itself maybe a bit, a bit too seriously, but yeah. definitely more seriously than Clue. But I like that it sort of had like a set, and that was where the movie took place. I didn't love whenever it deviated from it. Like there's a lot of flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Didn't care. Really? Didn't feel like a lot of them were needed. Yeah. The one thing about this movie is I felt like it was trying to like portray itself as more clever than it actually was. Like it was like portraying itself as like these mystery with like all these like mistaken identities and mm-hmm. all of this, and that happened, and it was good. But it all gets kind of tossed out the window in the third act. It's yeah, it's like the first forty-five minutes. You know who everyone is, and then it's like, okay, no more mystery. We just know it. It's now just a completely plot-driven suspense noir movie. Yeah, whenever it and and it gets to where it's going, and then you look back and you think of like why the steps were taken earlier to get to where it went. Like in the third act, shit just sort of hits the fan. We're gonna spoil. We can okay. We'll spoil this movie. Um, skip ahead, say six minutes if you don't want this movie spoiled. Yeah. For you. Um, when Chris Hemsworth comes in to this movie, it's sort of everything just goes off the rails. Yeah. And noth- none of the last real hour and a half, hour and forty minutes of the movie really matter. That's um, too long. That, that's that. Yeah, I think maybe like the last forty-five minutes, because like the last hour and forty minutes would be like all the movie. No, no, I'm saying the the previous hour and forty oh, minutes don't. I matter. I see what you're saying. Yeah, not, not the final. They don't hour matter. And minutes. Like, why do they introduce? Uh, it's almost like, and 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 this is a movie you like, and I think I like less, but The Usual Suspects. It's almost like. No, I do not like this movie. Wait, you don't like? Usual I don't. Suspects? I don't like. I don't like Usual Suspects. Oh, good. I don't like it either. It's another one of those movies that we're like, n- none of it matters. The yeah, entire movie cool. is just BS. Yep. I completely agree. So seeing it the first time, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, now we're sort of, it's at its most focused when it blows the rest of the movie up. Well, the thing is, is like, the nice the nice thing about Bad Times is, it, like you said, it does create these good characters. And it, it, it doesn't pay off at all. It really doesn't. It's almost like Pulp Fiction in that regard. Like, you know... You get to know these really interesting characters. They do interesting things. They have they say interesting things, and then they die. Like the, uh, I'll say it. Like John Hamm's character. I mean John oh Hamm's character. God, he was he, he was, was like, off so quick, and he was a big part of like the advertising the for the movie. Yeah, he died in thirty minutes. It was crazy. He's fourth build. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah, 
um, he's billed before Lewis Pullman. Yeah. Who's in the movie way more? Way more. He was uh Lewis Pullman was in school with my friend Pierce who listens to the show. Lewis Pullman, I yeah. thought, was the best in this movie. Really? I, I liked him. I like Chris Hemsworth. I liked Chris Hemsworth too, but I think he had a pretty easy job. I, I think don't know. Chris Hemsworth's character was pretty well written to be kind of a psycho. And I think you I, I think we Chris Hemsworth did a nice job being yeah. not how we usually envision Chris Hemsworth being. It was basically like he be a psychopath, Chris Hemsworth, and he did a good job. I don't know that if you asked me to be a psychopath, I could do it. No, no, no. But we're so used to seeing Chris Hemsworth not be a psychopath. Yeah. That when he comes in, or even like in the trailer where he's like covered in rain, he's got a shirt up, and he's like, howdy. I bet you're like, oh man, Chris Hemsworth is stud in this movie. And he's actually kind of a lunatic. He is a lunatic. Yeah, not kind of. Um, so he had the ability to be like, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, Chris, I'm Chris Hemsworth, but I'm going to play not like mainstream Chris right. Hemsworth, like Thor, goofy humor Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, basically the movie was like, here's all this really interesting stuff that goes on, and then it's a wrecking ball. Yeah, he's a wreck, and he just destroys it all. Yeah, yep. Which is fine. What do you think of the hush scene? I thought that was the best scene. I'll have to. You'll have to, you'll have to remind the me. The one where he's dancing around the shirtless. Scene. The hush by by uh, Deep Purple. Oh 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 the the song. Yeah. yeah. Um. I thought it was cool. I, I I was I was very tense. From the beginning of this movie, I'm not a big jump scare fan. Yeah. I didn't think there was this was gonna be a jump scare movie. Yeah. There are at least three. Really? I don't think there are that many. There's one at the beginning, very first scene. Yep. There's one um where John Hamm dies. I didn't think that was a jump scare. Oh, I was that scared of shit. Really? You knew it was coming. She had the gun. I guess so, but you didn't you don't know she's gonna hear him out. I guess, but like oh. any Anytime well, okay, there's so a we'll gun, con- we'll continue. There's okay, so you can understand that that's not a jump scare. Okay, but then him bl- blasting the door open in her face probably was. Yeah, maybe. And then you have the whiskey bottle over. Uh, that was a Jeff jump Bridges scare. Head. That was a cheap jump scare. Um, and so for the rest of the movie, I just couldn't trust any of these scenes. Interesting. Um, again, seeing it in a the theater, like it's loud, and you are focused on nothing but this movie. Yeah, and so every time. Like, Cynthia Erivo does a pretty good job, too. Yeah. But she spends a lot She's of time crazy. in this movie singing. Yeah. And there's nothing else happening. And I'm like, she's going to get her head blown off. Yeah. And there is a scene where Dakota Johnson is looking at her through the window, and then it goes back to it. Like, there's a there's a two-way mirror. Yep. And you can see... Which, by the way, I think that's why it kind of feels like a play. Yeah. 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 Um, and you can see that Dakota Johnson has the gun. It It's not cocked or pointed. But when you see her, it's not cocked or pointed, and then you go back to the room, and you don't know what Dakota Johnson is doing behind that two-way mirror. Mm, beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, she could be cocking this gun. She could be pointing it. I don't know. The thing and is, is that would be a bad movie, and I was hoping it would be a good movie. Like, I don't know. If there were, like, tens of jump scares in the movie, I would be like, this sucks. Yeah. So I was like, I try to give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I see, But I see where you're coming There from. were enough that I was just like, I just don't know when you're going to pull something cheap on me yeah yeah um because i thought the beginning was fairly cheap yeah that was the first two and a half minutes you're already getting someone shot in the back with a shotgun by someone you never see i thought the smashing jeff bridges in the face was kind of cheap oh yes it also because it was it it was not that one was like completely not signaled yeah it came out of nowhere yeah you knew it like yeah, I, I I won't give the context because we don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we spoiled enough of the movie already. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, so I had a I had a topic of conversation. I mean, that's our review of the movie. I think you got the gist of it. Yeah. Um, 
for the rest of the year, do you think there's going to be a baby driver from 2017, an arrival from 16, uh, a revenant from 15, or an interstellar from 14? A critically well-received box office hit of original intellectual property. I hope so. Let's see what's on the radar. My own, my, this was, this was sort of the one that I thought was going to be that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just getting killed at the box office. But, uh, yeah. Bad Times so? is, Bad Times is right now $11 million under budget. Wow. Uh, and it wasn't a big budget movie. Uh, it's wow. made 21.4 million dollars. Um, that's, a, that's too bad. It is too bad. I think it's better than that. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's a mid-90s, the new Jonah Hill, that could be okay. really good. Okay. It's not as big budget. I don't think that's going to be a big deal, but that is, yeah. that's going to be a good the, movie. The one that I'm maybe putting stock into now, I'm putting my hopes into, is yeah. Widows. Which one? Widows. What's that one? Um, it's got um, Viola Davis in it. It's written partially by Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl, the book. Sure. Um, and it's about a bunch of... Um, widows who like do one final job that their husbands had to do yeah but they're like amateur they're yeah they're like amateur criminals cool yeah that looks interesting um it's based off of a book so i guess it's not in intellect like original intellectual property but it but most lots of movies are that's just um yeah i think uh i don't know actually it's based off of a uh, an old crime drama from 1983 and 85 a british crime drama but it looks very different from at least the the posters and and press stuff that i'm seeing from that i don't Mm -hmm. i just that's what i think was missing so much from this past summer was the original ip and maybe it's because there haven't been any like real releases from big name directors this year that's absolutely the case i was just looking up david fincher because he hasn't come out with a movie in since like 2014 yeah but um, I don't think he's working on anything except Mindhunter, maybe. Yeah, that's right. There's a Grinch movie coming out. Yeah. No, I. That's not <laughs> I. I. I uh, yeah, I don't think that's like, a joke. Edgar Wright did, did Baby Driver. Arrival was Dennis Villeneuve, who's now making sort of his name as like the sort of person who crosses over like the artsy, the art house movie with like the blockbuster. Yeah. Um, The Revenant was the DiCaprio movie that won him the Oscar, so naturally everyone kind of wanted to go see it. Um, Interstellar was Christopher Nolan and sort of his, like, brainchild. Yeah. Um, yeah, So I, don't I just know. don't know if, like, maybe 2018 is just a year devoid of... I guess Big-name so. directors releasing movies that they want to make. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at lists of movies that are coming out, and I don't... I don't know. I get. I also am having trouble finding like a really good list. There's the new girl in the spiders. The new girl in the dragon tattoo. Yep, that could be big. Yep, that could be big. That, there's that Overlord Boy. that's supposed to be decent. Oh yeah, that looks interesting to me. That that could be. But that that's too that's too hard R for it to be a huge huge hit. Yeah, probably. That actually comes out pretty soon. That comes out in yeah, that comes two out weeks, next week, November 9th. There's Fantastic Beasts, which is not original, obviously. I'm excited for that. Though. Yeah, that Widows does look like it's and it's Steve McQueen. Did you say that? No, I didn't. Yeah, I, Steve I didn't. McQueen. Oh, is he directing? Yeah. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, that could be a big one. That could that that honestly could be. That's a probably a good call. There's the new Creed. There's uh, Wreck It Ralph too. Lots of sequels in 2018. Too many sequels. I don't know about too many, but there are a lot. Oh, there's the new. Uh, did you watch like the Lobster for no. Killing of a Sacred Deer? 
No, that guy's coming out with a new movie, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. Mm, definitely never heard of it. You should watch one. He's got this like super stilted dialogue. Okay. But it's 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 interesting. The lot do you know the premise of the lobster? No. It's basically like they live in this weird world of magical realism where uh if you don't have like a true love partner, like you get sent to this hotel. No. And if you don't find someone there for like a year, you get turned into an animal of your choice. And his choice is a lobster. Okay. And that's why it's called the lobster. Whack. I yeah. like it. It's real weird. So this guy's coming out with a new movie. And that could be good. And that one has Emma Stone. That's right. Oh. To bring it full circle. Oh. <laughs> no, that was a conversation we had off air. Why? Was it really? Yeah. Oh. My I bad. like Emma Stone. Uh, don't let them don't let them think otherwise. He hates Emma Stone. We'll talk about Emma Stone a little bit more later. We will probably will. You're um, probably right about that. So that was my question for you. I didn't know if you knew anything more about Widows. No. But like that was that's the thing Arrival that was great though. That's what that's I what's been Arrival. that's what's been missing from this year. It's like Arrival made a hundred million dollars at the box office. Like Arrival yeah. is an in, Arrival is an art house indie movie that is weird. You know who came out with a big movie this year was uh, Spielberg. Ready Player One? Yeah. But that was like... Uh, Based off a book. But, but but my point is, that was a big director coming out with a movie. Yes, that's true. And but it just didn't... Spielberg always makes a movie a year. Yeah. I didn't see Ready Player One. I know. I mean... Did you see it? I don't remember. Yeah. Did you I, like it? Yeah. Okay. We talked about it, I think, on like first episode. Well, I think we that was when we ran through like 15 movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ready Player One was like a, a weird release, though. Like, I didn't know what he was doing with that. Yeah. There's a, there's a funny... It's like a March release, and I was like, well, I don't understand. Well, because I think it was an unpopular idea to make a movie out of this book. Like, I think a lot of people disliked it. Maybe. And I think maybe knowing what I know about the book, it was a bad idea. But yeah, they do a lot of Hollywoodization of the book. Interesting. Uh, you want to move on to our next segment, but I have to, I do have to take a break. i got to pee a little bit. All right, let's take a break. Okay, sounds good. All right. And a new segment when we return. We back, baby! <laughs> Yeah, it was like welcome a back. Ten minute break, but uh, yeah, one second break for you guys. Yeah, welcome back. We we should put in some fake ads. We should <laughs> Panera Bread. <laughs> Sponsor the pod. Would it be really funny if we made like just joke ads for real companies? I I'm strongly thinking about this. I think that wouldn't that have some sort of legal ramifications? Why? We're advertising for them. I guess for free, free advertising. Free advertising. Yeah, cool. That'd be great. All right, new segment. New segment. It's called Bombs with Benson and Crawls Classics. And before we go into it, I think we should kind of define, you know, what a bomb is and what a <laughs> classic is. What is a bomb? A well. bomb is Benson. Tell us. So I'm gonna say a bomb is a movie that is either critically panned, um. Critically lukewarm to panned. I'm going to say anything with like a 75 or less on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter. Mm-hmm. Um, or a box office bomb that was fairly critically well received, like a movie that underperformed. Or the, and, and, and I think one that people forgot about. Yeah. yeah. Or the black sheep in a franchise. Right. Like, um, I, I don't think it would be fair for you to be like, Oh, yeah, this Donnie Darko movie, like, bombed, but then people loved it. Like, I think it has to oh, be something sure. that, like, yeah. is not in the public conscience. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Like, for example, I might talk about the Wachowskis' Speed Racer and at some <laughs> point at some point in, in, the, in the pod. Um, that's, not, that's not today. That's not my, my movie for today. Just but, like, I think, the future. I think, no, I just think that's a decent example of, like, a movie that probably sold pretty well. Yeah. Um, but 
was not critically well received and is not remembered altogether all that fondly either. Right. Um, I've been checking half price books like every week to find the DVD for Wachowski Speed Racer, and I can't find it. That's too bad. I know. Yeah. I well, like, this is a movie that I feel like you'd have like twenty of. Well, you either have zero or twenty. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you made a grave error and purchased like thirty of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like people would like that's a movie that people would be like, I don't want this anymore. I'll return it. Yeah, exactly. That's why half price books would have. And no one has. Yeah. And I just want your trash. Yeah. Well, when you're out at GameStop, you should check out a half price books and see if it's there. I went like two days ago. Oh, really? But I bought, um, what did I buy instead? Oh, I was looking for the Lego Batman movie and I couldn't find it there. Is that is that still Will Arnett? Yes. Good. You ever seen the Lego Batman movie? No. Oh, it's so good. Why would good. I see that? Oh. Why wouldn't you see it? So, yeah. Uh, 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 Let's let's define a classic too. The, the, yeah. the definition of a classic is a lot more simple. A classic with a K. Let's make yes. sure we got that. That's down. right. That's right. Only two Ks though. Crawl's classics. Right. KK. Yeah. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like the text <laughs> lingo. KK. Yeah. 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 KK. Um. Yeah. So. T-T-Y-L, KK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a classic is a movie that is over twenty year old, unless I feel like using a license to do a 15-year-old movie. But for the most part, yeah. they're over 20 years old, and they are movies that Benson has not seen. That's fair. I mean, look, even 15 years old, like, I was seven or eight when, the, when this movie came out. So, like, there's not a lot of reason I would have seen it at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say I mean, 15's same. probably in play. Okay. I'll, I'm going to try and keep it 20, because it'd be nice if they were not from a, a year that started with a two. Yeah, you know, cool. but like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, as you know, I went through like a list of fifty of them earlier this morning. And I think I maybe have seen like six. Yeah, and I, I didn't do a good job of crossing them off, so I'll have to, we'll have to go through them again. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, it was fun, and um, I have a good one for you for today. Yeah, I, I picked one that kind of fit with the bad times vibe they're not similar movies but they they're kind of both noirish yeah so i think so. your task is to tell me why this movie still holds up yes like there are classics that i think kind of stink like i don't know james bond like yeah. Doc, dr no is considered a classic but yeah. it kind of blows well i'm i'm also going to pick movies that maybe don't hold up oh but movies that i like for the sake of holding yeah them. okay when i when i watched them the first time maybe like 15 years ago i liked them and then i watched them again and they Okay. Yeah, not good. But yeah, so it's just going to be something along those lines. And I think it will be telling you about it, telling you why it is significant, telling you why you should watch it, or telling you why you should not watch it. You know what I mean? I like it. I think either way it's helpful. Yeah. 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 What if I were just like the godfather? Don't watch it. Do you want me to go first with the bomb? Okay. My bomb of the month is Valyrian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Directed by? Directed by Luc Besson. Uh, based on the comics Valérien and Lachaline by Pierre Creston and Jean-Claude Mézère. Is that good pronunciation? I would think so. Did you take French? I took French for like eight years. Okay, I didn't know that. I would hope hope so, but I was just reading it. I was just reading it. I didn't know that. Uh, Starring Dane DeHaan, Cara Delevingne, Clive Owen, Rihanna, Ethan Hawke, Herbie Hancock. I didn't know that. (laughs) Chris Wu and Rutger Hauer. Dane DeHaan. That's an interesting name. Yeah, he, he was in that weird movie that came out last year, the one about like the hospital or the hotel, Fear oh, for Wellness or whatever. That movie is weird. Did I didn't you see, see that? No. Oh, Gore Verbinski. That might be on my bombs with Benson, but I'm not going to advocate <laughs> too highly towards it. I think it's an interesting movie, but it's it's a bomb for a reason. It's yucky. Um, 
This movie came out in late July of 2017 in the United States. It cost 200 somewhere between 177 and 205 million dollars to make despite it not being distributed by a major studio. So this is ostensibly a 200 million dollar indie movie. And how much did it make? 225.9 which can yes. Wow, I did not realize it made money. Well, it is considered a commercial failure following following its United States release, according to Wikipedia. Um, So what I like about this movie, um, the visuals are really, really beautiful. Um, And there's lots of, like, underscored lore here that um, makes you want to visit this place more. I mean, the central conceit is that they live in in a society of all these people had to, like... It's, like, it's it's a planet... It's like a space station where different parts of different planets have, like, been, like, jumbled together. So, like, imagine Zootopia, but, like, for alien species Hmm. plus humans. So, like, that's already, like, original, like, a a kind of a cool concept. It's like Rick and Morty-ish. Yeah, because there's different places for you to, like, kind of visit. And each place, like, invites a different setting, has different, like, species of of creatures with different mannerisms and like different cultures and things like that. And you, you get into a little bit of that in this movie. Um, one of the things that you might not love about this movie is that the script sort of feels like they're making it up as they go. Um, (laughs) which is kind of fitting and kind of fun for this movie. Like don't expect Oscar material or like space opera brilliance, like hard sci-fi. Like this is just a, a, a really beautiful kind of romp through, this space station. Um, I think Dahan and Delavine do a pretty good job. And what's nice about this movie, um, Rihanna is pretty good too in like a pretty limited role. Um, what's interesting about this movie is that there really isn't any like good or evil. It's more just like conflicting motives. Hmm. Um, so it's, but, and you it's have, but you have a protagonist and an antagonist. You have a protagonist. The antagonist is kind of this space station and like the sort of loop like loops that they have to jump through in order to accomplish their objective interesting um i i would recommend it i think this was a movie that was grossly overlooked in and like as like a late summer release mm-hmm. um it maybe should have i i don't know where the market for this movie would would have been better um in terms of like release date um maybe like february where people are like a little over the Oscar movies and they kind of want to just jump back into like popcorn fodder. Yeah. What was this rated? Like PG? This is a PG-13 movie, I believe. Okay. Interesting. I bet if it were PG, it would have done better. Maybe. I um, feel like PG-13 is this weird. It's kind spot. of not a thing anymore. Like yeah. it's it's actually more of it's I think it's more of a negative. Like I like I'd rather see a PG movie or an R movie than a PG-13 yeah. movie I agree. PG, PG thirteen feels like it's just R pulled back, and PG PG thirteen also feels like it's like a harder PG. Yeah, like maybe you didn't need to do. You know, it was a really good PG thirteen movie. What's that? First Man. Was it PG thirteen? It was PG because of the language. Yeah, there was no. I thought that was a very organically PG thirteen movie. Yeah, it's rated PG thirteen for sci fi violence and action, suggestive material, and brief language. I buy that. You know what else was a good PG thirteen movie that should probably be R? What? The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. It should probably be R. It's pushing up on the border. Of yeah. There's just not enough language or violence. Well, there's violence. It's just not like, it's super gory. Yeah. 
And yeah, there's no language, but it's scary enough that I feel like it's uh, it would be acceptable for it to be, uh, you know, in our movie. Yeah, so that's my bomb. Okay, that was a good the, choice for the month. Um, yeah, I, I have the DVD. Um, I had I didn't see it in theaters. So oh like, yeah, that... I was the guilty party there and being like, I don't, I don't think I want to see this movie. Like that was a good summer for movies. Yeah, like we'd I'd already gotten sort of my fill of good summer. Yeah. action movies. That's an interesting wrinkle that we didn't discuss either, uh, is that I think we are going to both watch each other's picks and like see what we thought of them. We didn't really explain that. So I'll be watching yeah. Valerian and the Something of Somethings. Uh, the Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. And like we I will said. discuss briefly like in next week's episode or a week after. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to talk about it for hours, yeah. but we can discuss it. Yeah. So, so... I am not promising that every week is going to be a classic movie. Like I said, all it has to be is over 20. And a bona fide classic. Yeah. This, however, is a bona fide classic. This is, uh, like I said, it's... That might have been an off-air thing, too. But it's... Um, it, it, it's it's almost noir feeling. It's a, it's a Hitchcock thriller. It is Rear Window. Uh, Rear Window starring James Never heard Stewart. Of Just kidding. <laughs> James Stewart, the lovely Grace Kelly, whoever Wendell Corey is, whoever Thelma Ritter is, and whoever Raymond Burr is. How much do you know about this movie? Um, I know that Alfred Hitchcock's cameo is in the very beginning. Yeah. And that's it. That's literally all you know. Um, You're going to like this movie. I think that's all I know. I, you know seen... the premise? No. Oh, wow. And we talked about this earlier. I've seen three Hitchcock movies. I've seen North by Northwest. I've seen Rope, and I've seen Vertigo. Yep. And I'd like this is this and Psycho are the kind of like ones that I feel like I'm really missing. Yeah, this is the one. I think I like this movie more than I like Psycho. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. So um, the basic premise of the movie is there's this like he is a photographer and a, a journalist, and he has a broken leg, so he is basically holed up in his apartment, and he lives in like presumably Brooklyn. And there, he lives in a building that kind of jets inward and has a courtyard. And so he can see all of his neighbors from his apartment building. And it is him kind of following along with his neighbors and, like, learning about each of them kind of obsessively. He has, like, names for each of them. Like, there's an attractive young woman called Mrs. Torso. There is a sad uh, young woman who is alone, and he calls her Mr. Mrs. Lonely Heart or Miss Lonely Heart. And he just, like, kind of goes around and names all the characters. And this is, like, the first half hour of the movie. Yeah, cool. And then he believes to have witnessed a murder. Oh. And that is the basis of the movie. It's, like, he gets involved when he probably shouldn't. And so that is you're going to punch me in the face, but this is kind of like Disturbia, but, like... But better. Way before. Yes. Okay. It is. Yeah. I am going to punch you in the face, too. But, like, a... a like, I'm not... Okay. It is. I'm not saying like, oh, this is like Disturbia. I'm saying like this, like Disturbia is like this. Yeah. It. Uh. It, yeah. Yeah. And and Jimmy Stewart is better than Shia LaBeouf. I'm sure. <laughs> Disturbia is just a movie I saw because I was like, ten when it came out, and everyone was like, "Ooh, this is a scary movie. Yeah. We should watch it." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and then I got old and wise and more of a scaredy cat. <laughs> yeah. So this movie, like you said, with Hitchcock movies. Uh, it feels very claustrophobic. I like that about it. Yeah, a lot of so he is because he is a photojournalist. He is looking instead of binoculars. He is looking through a camera at his neighbors. Uh, he uses uh, you know like flash like flash bulbs like old timey flash bulbs mm-hmm. as like signals and weapons and cool. It's interesting. 
it's a it's a really interesting movie. It is uh, Disturbia aside, pretty one of a kind, and I think you will enjoy it. Jump scares or no? No, not okay. at all. I, I mean, it's super intense. Yeah, in, in a in a very Hitchcocky way. Yeah, and I I love Rope and I love Vertigo. I also love North by Northwest, but I feel like that's sort of like a Hitchcock outlier. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. There are other big pictures. There's the one called The Man Who Knew Too Much with James Stewart. And that one is like they know about a murder that is going to take place. Mm, okay. And but that one's also very big picture. Like cool. it, like it's like in northern Africa. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. He's a, got great movies. I I I kind of grew up a lot on his. That was like the one kind of like influential director that I grew up watching as like Alfred Hitchcock movies. Well, you know Hitchcock is my middle name. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. My mom's maiden name, though. I Nothing see. to do with the director. Gotcha. So you have three middle, three last names. I do, indeed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yep. That's one of my fun facts when I do, like, a, two, like a meet and greet. Two truths and a lie or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But then everyone like knows my name is Benson Anderson, and they're like, I bet it's I bet it's but that one that's so, true. Yeah, so basically is it is your middle name a last name? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But like, it'd be kind of strange if I was like Benson Franklin. <laughs> That'd be great. Benson Jim Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Benson James. That'd That's be great. me. I think it'd be better if it was just Jim. Yeah. Benson Jim. Benson Jim. <laughs> so those are our bombs and classics yeah. for the week or the next two weeks, we, maybe. We should isolate like some vocals and, and put it in like in effects like, Bombs with Benson. <laughs> and like... Rules classics, eh? Yeah, I'll see. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'll put yeah. like a big old reverb effect on it. Hey, this is Crawl's classics. What hey, you doing? Huh? Hey, man. Yeah, no, I'm still getting the hang of the uh, whole editing thing. Yeah. This seems like a decent time to apologize for last week's episode, where you could hear <laughs> what Alex was going to say before he said it um, through because we had him on Skype, and you could hear it through the microphones. And I did my utmost, but yeah. I, I overlooked that a little bit. It's cool. Uh, we'll get that figured out for our next Coffin episode. Yeah. Um. So let's move. Do you want to move forward? Are we okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move forward with our top five for the week. <laughs> we don't need to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just feeling weird tonight. Top five <laughs> for the week. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll mix the two. Um, Mitch, yeah. what's our top five? Our top five. It is not a very exciting one this week. It is just our top five Ryan Gosling pictures. Oh, Goss God. Yeah, that's right. He's a good-looking individual. He is good-looking. And and tragically, neither of us picked uh, Remember the Titans. No. Yeah, that no. would a good pick. And, and neither of us picked what um, Rotten Tomatoes said is his best movie, which or is, his best performance, which is Half Nelson. Yeah. Because neither of us have seen it. Neither of us have seen it. I really want to see Lars is the Real Girl, too. Lars and the Real Girl, not Lars is the Real Girl. I've seen seven of these movies with Ryan Gosling in it. Yeah. I think you've seen seven as well. Yeah, something um, like that. So... But what's interesting is that we've only had we've we only have three movies that overlap. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, I haven't seen Drive. Um, I haven't seen Drive. You haven't I seen haven't, Place Beyond the Pines. I haven't. I haven't I, seen Gangster Squad. I'd like to see Song to Song. I haven't seen that. Uh, which looks interesting. It's got mixed reviews, but it looks interesting. I haven't seen The Notebook. I haven't either. Which is kind of bad. I feel like at this stage in our yeah. life, in our lives, we probably should have seen it. Yeah, I and 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 the funny thing is, like, usually, I would say we should watch if there's a movie that we decide <laughs> on air, and you're we not, should watch like, this movie. We should watch the Notebook. <laughs> but yeah, but like we should watch it separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think that would be fine to watch together. I'm not saying 
Like, no, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with us watching it together. Right, 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 right. I just, I think the first time watching The Notebook, it would be a more enjoyable experience, not with with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. I, yeah. and I know very, very little about The Notebook. It's Rachel McAdams, right? Yes, she's great. I love she Rachel is. McAdams. She is great. She's not around too much. Not I don't know anymore. what she's kind of up to. Yeah, um, maybe she's just. Like, kind of trying to phase out of it. Let's see. I'm going to look up her filmography on Wikipedia and The last see. thing I saw Rachel McAdams in was Doctor Strange. So she was also in uh, True Detective Season 2, which was bad. Um, she wasn't bad in it. She was great in it. It was just a bad movie. Uh, she was in Game Night, which I saw. Oh, I saw that too. Yeah. But she, good, that was a good movie. She was on, that was the only movie she was in this year. And last I liked year, that movie. And, and last year she was in Disobedience, which is the... Uh, What's her name? The Rachel Weiss movie. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah. And then she was in Doctor Strange. So she's been in three movies the last three years total. Yeah, so she kind of has... She has she, has she has, a little bit. Yeah, so she's like kind of got her one a year. She was in Spotlight. That was like her last super memorable thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Spotlight yeah. was good. I haven't seen it. Really? You know, see it's it. on Netflix, though, I think. Yeah. That um, was like... I do, I do want to see that. Yeah. That was like when I started trying to see all the Oscar movies. Well, the only year I ever did that was the year that um, 12 Years a Slave won. Gotcha. And I was really pissed because Jonah Hill got a Oscar nom for Best Supporting in place of... Um, was it for Moneyball or was it for... It was Wolf? for Wolf of Wall Street. And he replaced um, Daniel Bruhl for Rush, oh. who got the Golden Globe nom in the oh, same category. But they like just swapped the two out. And oh, I thought that Daniel Brule was much better than Jonah Hill. <laughs> I like Jonah Hill. In Wolf of Wall Street? He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He just acts like a f- white douchebag. I'm like, that's not commendable. He's a convincing white douchebag. That's not hard to be. <laughs> it's true. It's not hard to be. <laughs> I don't know why I'm defending Jonah Hill. Uh, I like Jonah Hill, too. I just was like, Daniel Brule gave a really, really nice, like, coming, I also didn't see coming out performance in Rush. Oh, no. His coming out performance was in uh, Inglorious Bastards. He was great in Inglorious Bastards. But he wasn't, like, high build in that movie. Oh, but he killed it in that movie. He was, uh, he was, uh, Melanie Laurent's, like, suitor. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Melanie Laurent, have you seen Beginners? The one where uh, Ewan McGregor's father's... So his mom dies, and then his father comes out as gay. No. And he's like 80 years old, Christopher Plummer. It's great. And it's got Melanie Laurent in it. You should watch that one. Okay. It's a good movie. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) So our top five, I think um, this is just a a reason to start talking about uh, Ryan Gosling movies. My number five, for lack of a better pick, is The Nice Guys. It was fine. It was a heavily stylized '70s movie. Did, are you talking about it more? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about we'll it more about later. It. Okay. Then that then well, that's all we'll say. We'll talk about it. Spoiler: I think it's more than fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number five for me is the Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it. Um, the, the other two movies that don't make this list that I've seen are First Man, which we've already talked about, which you like you know I didn't. Which we'll be talking about more later. I didn't super love. <laughs> um, it, it may or may not be in my number one. Um, <laughs> that's because you haven't seen a lot of these movies that are on my list that are like the like the essential Ryan Gosling Maybe. movies. Um, uh, da, 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 and Gangster Squad, which is a goofy movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which might be on Bombs with Benson. We'll see. <laughs> um, Place Beyond the Pines. This is an interesting movie because um, Ryan Gosling isn't in it for too long. It's framed as though he is going to be in it for a long time, yeah. And then his 
sort of um, he. I won't spoil this movie. It's pretty old. That's he gets fine. shot like a third of the way through the movie. He gets killed uh-huh. by Bradley Cooper, who's a police officer. And then Bradley Cooper is like treated as a hero, even though he shot first when that's not police protocol. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan Gosling's son grows up and like Bradley Cooper is now like the mayor or like the police chief. And he finds out that Bradley Cooper has killed Ryan Gosling, who then was playing Dick's father. Saying. Yeah. Um, so his like he has influence over the entire rest of the movie. Interesting. Um he gives a very Ryan Gosling esque performance in this. He's a stunt motorcyclist. Yeah. Um, and he starts robbing banks. Mm-hmm. And he does a really good job. There's a, p- a particular scene where his robbing of the bank goes very poorly. Yeah. And he does a very good job conveying how frantic and shitty that situation is for him. Yeah. Um, okay. Really good. Kind of like a simulation. I'll have to see that. It's like a weird. It's one of those movies that I don't love going back to because it just feels a lot like a simulation of real life. Huh. And I don't know that that's why I go watch movies. Interesting. Okay. I like a simulation of real life. And speaking of simulations of real life, my number four is the crazy rom-com, <laughs> Crazy Stupid Love. La La Land. <laughs> hey, La La Land's on mine. I know, but I thought you like a simulation of real life. <laughs> yeah, that is not real. <laughs> crazy Stupid Love. It was written by Dan Fogelman. And he has the creative mind behind This Is Us. And that should tell you more about the movie than you need to know. Uh, it stars Gosling as kind of a, a ladies' man kind of figure who teaches Steve Carell how to present himself well uh, for women. He is newly single. And he goes on to date Steve Carell's daughter, Emma Stone. And it is he is a giving a good perform, performance as a charismatic, super handsome, and muscular white guy. That is his role. Yeah. And he, he does a really good job. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. My next movie, I really don't remember him that much in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie, he's not doing anything special. He is being handsome. But it's good. He's yeah. good in it. Um, I think Ryan Gosling does a very good job of like not doing a lot. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I liked him so much in First Man. Because I think he... He was able to play that character as subtly as it needed to be. Um, and I think he and Emma Stone kind of, their styles complement one another very well. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about Emma Stone more. <laughs> or just, well, okay, well, number four for me is La La Land. Oh, it, it's coming up later for me. So um, okay, so we'll, we'll table that. Number three for me is The Big Short. Okay, I haven't seen uh, it. So Another it's Gosling, Steve Carell Steve collab. Carell, <laughs> yep, collab, along with Christian Bale. So it's kind of interesting because I remember Christian Bale in this movie very well, and I remember Steve Carell in this movie very well. I don't remember Ryan Gosling all that much in this movie. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but I was also fairly drunk when I saw it. Okay. It was a it was one of those movies that was a great theater watching experience, and I barely remember the movie. It's a good drunk movie. Uh, no, it's not a great drunk movie. Okay, because I thought this movie was kind of like intellectual. It is. Okay. But I was drunk for it, and it was fun. Okay. Uh, but you're more intellectual than I am. So, like, <laughs> you being drunk is probably, like, bringing you down to, like, my level, sober. <laughs> so, like, now I'll be like, what? I don't know about that. <laughs> what? But, uh, anyway, this is a good movie. Uh, he, he, as I said, I don't remember him in it. But you should watch it. It's uh, it's uh, Michael Lewis. He, the writer of Moneyball, also wrote The Big Short. And, also a uh, bad movie. What? I like Moneyball. Oh, it's a bad movie. <laughs> it's not bad. I couldn't get past them using a song from 2004. I mean, from 2009 and 2004. 
Okay, yeah, that's bad. They <laughs> shouldn't like, do that. That's a bad call. <laughs> they shouldn't do that, but it was still a good movie. Anyway, that's the big short. Okay, cool. Number three for me is Drive. Okay. From Nicholas Wine- Winding Refn. Um, this is a really... It's a weirdly named movie because yeah. there's like two scenes where he drives. Interesting. Um, the first one is the opening scene, which is like one of the better opening scenes, I think, in any crime noir movie, if not any movie ever, um, where he like very meticulously... You can tell how good of a getaway driver he is because he doesn't just like drive fast. He like knows how to get away from police officers right. and hide from helicopters. And You like driving movies. I guess so. I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> okay, I've seen Fast Five, and that's it. Um, so <laughs> I don't really love driving movies. Um, Maybe. Or you don't like Vin Diesel. That could be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, this is a cool movie. Um, there's not a lot to say. Ryan Gosling doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't even have a name. I hear Albert Brooks is really good in this Albert movie. Brooks is very good. He shaved his eyebrows. I love Albert Brooks. Um, I need to see more Albert Brooks yeah. movies. Um, and it's kind of weird because... <laughs> All I, like a lot of the other things I know him from are Finding Nemo. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, he's he's not good in this movie. He's like he's like the the boss. He's evil, right? Yeah, he's yeah. He plays the bad guy. Um, but again, like not a, like a movie where he's like the bad guy, quote unquote. But like he's just a crime boss and just like but that's has to do what he has to do. Although I guess Ryan Gosling is also is a also a criminal. Movie, yeah. So it's like when Ryan Gosling goes off the rails, like he just has to do what he has to do. I also hear it has a good score. It has a good soundtrack. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And sh- um, I don't know if I remember the score all that well, but the soundtrack's really cool. It's got a bunch of, like, um, like lo-fi electro-pop, but, like... Interesting. I thought that was the score. So but, like, maybe. a bit more gothic electro-pop. Um, yeah, it drives cool. Cool. You should see it. Yeah, I would like to. Uh, my number two is La La Land. Uh, okay. Damien Chazelle. Uh, he's... Let me in. One of the uh, the directors of our times. He's one of. He's definitely going to be. I think you know one of these directors that I will go see every movie that he is involved with. Uh, he wrote and directed this one. It is a musical. It has problems. We all know the problems. Uh, it, the problems got belabored to us over and over again. White man saving jazz, all of that stuff. Um, Ryan Gosling, as you said doesn't have the most emotional range. That is probably his weakest thing as an actor. His face is not all that expressive. Oh, I like him in this movie, though. He's great. Yeah. He's I, great. I, this is, yeah. It, I, I, I don't know that, uh, I, I I think one thing he could have, uh, or a different actor could have done better with was his passion for jazz. But everything else I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and this is just a beautifully shot movie that he is good in. Uh, the musical numbers, I, I'm not a huge musical fan. I didn't think the musical numbers got in the way of the movie, and a lot of the scenes that have music in them are really cool uh, shot scenes. Like, I remember the one at the pool with, like, the spinning. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. That was so cool. Um, that's a great movie. Yeah. I, 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 It got so much negative press that it was... Um, so, yeah. Yeah, which is... Understandably so. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was the whole Oscar fiasco that was terrible. Yeah, that was rough. Um, so this movie's gotten a lot of negative press, and some of it is its fault, and some of it isn't its fault. Uh, but if you just take this movie for what it is, a really good, really well shot movie, maybe not, you know, maybe shouldn't have been in the running for Best Picture, but really great. Movie. I liked 
the movie this more the second time I saw it. Yeah. Um, because the first time I saw it, it was so hyped. Yeah. And it starts off so well. Yeah. The opening scene is so good. It's so good. And I just felt like from that point on, it was a like a steady, not a quick downhill. Interesting. In terms of like the excitement of the movie, but it's so tough to top that first scene. And like the thing I think I like this movie a lot. The reason it's number four on my list and not like number two or one. Yeah. Is because the my favorite two numbers of this musical movie are the first two. Yeah. And then from that point on, it gets a lot more like compressed. I I think Gosling is a charming singer. I don't think Emma Stone is a very good singer. She's not. Yeah. Um, and it's it suffers from that sort of syndrome of a lot of musical movies, a lot of original musical movies, where that they have like four songs in the first thirty minutes. Yeah. And then none for an hour. Yeah. And then like one at the end. Yeah. And you're sort of like, oh, this is a musical. I forgot about that. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point. I, I think the thing, uh, one, uh, here's an interesting take for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we've talked about A Star is Born. You haven't seen it. Uh, a Star is Born for the first 45 minutes is them getting to know each other and her and, and Lady Gaga's character kind of becoming famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the first hour. Um, that and that part of the movie was the part of the movie that really worked for me. The second half, which was mostly about uh, Bradley Cooper's character falling, I thought that movie was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, La La Land is like if the first part of that movie that I love took place over the full like two and a half hours okay. or however long this is. I I, I think that's um, you know the kind it because that the first part of A Star Is Born felt magical and that's how La La Land felt. It was just like two people who really uh, are compatible and love each other kind of in this crazy, mixed-up, star-studded L.A. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my, my, my another, one, another one of my qualms with it is I don't love when musicals are about people who do music. Yeah. Um, because then you just it's tough to separate what is a musical number from what is, like, them just being a musician. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think this movie tries to. No, and I think it's kind of lazy. I think it's kind of lazy to make a musical about someone who's not a music about someone who's a musician. Really? But yeah. a lot of there are a lot of musicals about that. Like Once is really well respected, and yes, Once is well respected. But again, it's it's gotten Once is very different from this movie. Yeah, um, because this movie is more of an homage to like the Fred Astaire movies from like the 30s and 40s. Yeah, whereas Once is very 21st century. Yeah. That's true. Um, like rethinking the musical, in mm-hmm. w- you rethink the musical in once. Like every cast member plays an instrument. That's There's true. zero like fourth wall. Like you walk into once and it's like a jam session mm-hmm. before the show even starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, an excellent counterpoint. But I think when you're making a movie about when you're making a movie that's sort of that's such a love letter to like golden age Hollywood. Yeah. To have it be about a musician. I just think is kind of redundant. Interesting. I liked it. Yeah. I, again, I liked it too. I just yeah. that there are well, a few things where I'm like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> then you're just sort of like, oh, is, it, is this a musical number or is this not? Eh, who cares? I it care. works. I care. It kind of false starts. It's like, oh, this is going to be a musical number, and then it's nope. He's just playing. He's just yeah. John <laughs> Legend wrote a banger too. <laughs> John Legend wrote a banger for this movie. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> the song slaps. Okay. Uh, right, was your that number two? My number two is the yeah. Nice Guys. Um, this is the movie where Ryan Gosling talks the most. It's true. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't remember, like, 
I bought this movie because someone said it was really good, and I bought the DVD, and I came home, and I remember just like watching it by myself and just cracking up. I was questioning the mermaids. <laughs> wow, you really like this movie. It's so funny. It's so funny, and like Russell Crowe is so good too. Um, but my my complaint about the movie is is that it gets a little confusing, yeah. and like. You never like that in a comedy movie. Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, it's. I think it's trying to get confusing because that's like it's the kind of movie it's parodying. It's like the '70s cop movie. Yeah, I. I didn't. Well, I don't like. Uh, I don't like Russell Crowe that much. Just in general. Yeah, I'm not a huge Russell Crowe. I don't love him either, but I think he's funny as hell in this movie. Okay. Okay. I yeah. I I don't love him. I'm, I'm all I'm for like a joke performance for an actor that I don't really like. So that's fair. And this is this felt like Russell Crowe not taking himself seriously at all. That's fair. He was so bad on Saturday Night Live <laughs> that oh, I was I like, I won't. I I'm not going to enjoy his comic sensibilities. It was really bad. But uh, I saw this movie on TV, like on HBO. Just okay. Like, oh, it's on and starting now. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So maybe that's why. I, and it, it was one that I meant to see in theaters and just didn't get around to. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why I'm not as high on it as you. But I enjoyed it just fine. I just, I just remember like this little kid. <laughs> He's on the bike. He's like, "Cause uh, I, I got a big dick." And he's like, "You want to see my dick?" <laughs> no. I, I like a lot of the movies it's parroting. Have you seen uh, Dirty Harry? No. Okay, I'm adding that to. My I didn't know it was a. I didn't. I didn't think it was. A, I didn't think it was a parody movie. I just thought it was more of like a. Let's make a '70s buddy cop movie in 2016. Right. Sure, but it. Uh, because it's a comedy, it's certainly making fun of aspects of those movies. Sure. I in was, a good way. Yeah. Which I, I liked that. Yeah. I liked that I did that. But I, I, I also see it through the lens of, like, having seen all of the Dirty Harry movies and okay. enjoying Maybe them. it's a bit tired for you. I don't think I've seen any, any of, like, the legitimate buddy cop movies. Oh, we should totally watch So, like, watch watching more. a comedy buddy cop movie is I'm just sort of, like, I love their dynamic. I think from— I a, love the scene where he's in the—he's pooping. Yeah. He's got, he's got the cigarette, and it falls in his pants. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and do older buddy cop movies for a while as my Crawls classics. Okay. Just, just to like, wanna, okay. yeah, because they're great. Yeah. Um, we can do like Eddie Murphy, 48 Hours, Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. One that I kind of want to see is The French Connection. I've actually never seen The French Connection. I would like to. Cool. Yeah. Glad we can, we can agree on that. We can collab. <laughs> yeah. My number one we've talked about a lot. It's First Man. I loved it. I loved his performance in it. Uh, I thought it was like so nicely understated in a way that Ryan Gosling can do on accident, I think. Um, yeah, he was great in it, and we've talked about the reasons I liked it so much. So you're up. Okay. Um, my number one is Raid Blunner 2049, <laughs> or because Ryan Gosling is in it, Blade Stunner. Um, this is a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and. A a movie that I think could have been really bad, yeah. Because Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, is so strangely good, but like in a way that I don't think it was meant to be. Where like, Denny Villain Villeneuve could have like <coughs> made this an action movie, or could have made it much more on the nose than the original Blade Runner is. Yeah. But this is a movie that is such a good follow-up to the original. Um, I think Gosling has a really good performance. There are moments, and I think this is 
kind of a, a good thing because I think Ryan Gosling kind of jumps off the screen a little bit. But in this movie, he's very much in this movie mm-hmm. where he's his character. He's not Ryan Gosling playing K. Oh, he cool. Is he K. commits. Yes. And I think just as a concept, like the, con- the, con- the central conceit of Blade Runner is that Blade Runners are replicants, like synth- synthetic humans that are sent to go after wayward fellow synthetic humans. Mm. So perfect role for Gosling, who does a really good job, like not doing a lot of human things. Um, yeah, this movie's really, really good. I can't recommend this movie to you enough. I think it might be it might be your number one if you see it. Okay. Um, just because I think you thought a lot of the what you like about Ryan Gosling in First Man is a lot of what he brings to the table in Drive and, and Blade Runner, and in a small on a smaller scale, Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know which one I really want to see that I haven't that? seen is Blue Valentine. Have you heard about that? This was one? kind of his like coming out party. Yeah, it's uh, it's him and Michelle Williams, who's like a super good actress too. I like I've liked her in most of the things I've seen her. Yeah, and uh, she's fallen into some bad stuff. What but. was the one that she with her cash movie just to make money that she was in recently? Was it Venom? It was Venom. She, she was, was in Venom. She was in Venom. I heard yeah. she was bad in Venom, and I heard that she and she I made didn't, money. That I didn't was, love that was why her she was in um, <laughs> Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, with, another one where she made money with James Franco and Mila Kunis and yeah. Michelle Williams. She was boring in that. Yeah, that's fine. It, 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 I didn't see that movie. Yeah, and, no, that's fine. I'm just seeing like the movies that she's been in that have been, that have been like commercially promoted a lot. Yeah, tend to be the ones that she does not bring it to. Her Wikipedia page is weird. It doesn't have her. Uh, Disco- or her filmography. Anyway, Filmo. yeah, we should we should end this. Yeah, um, Not Cavs game we're, right we're, now. we're at hour twenty one. We're yeah, okay. We're doing all right. Um, so next week we are gonna do sports. We oh, are to, we? Let's okay. stick to that schedule because we did we did movie sports music. Time. So do sports it'll be the end of the World Series. Yeah, it'll be talk football, about baseball. Yeah, it'll be like mid football season. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can talk about the beginning of basketball season, which I'm gonna try and stay on top of a little bit more this year. What about hockey? Yeah, I'm not talking about hockey. Oh, I want to go to. I'm I'm actually going to be in Ottawa this weekend, and the I senators. Yeah, I really wanted to see if the senators were in town, but sadly they're not. They're not. Yeah, it doesn't always seem to be that way. Like Meredith's coming to town in two weeks. Yeah, and the Cavs play the day before she comes at home, and the day after she leaves, she's here for like four days. Sounds about right. Um, would she want to be on the pod? No, no. <laughs> I invited her for um. So well, I'll get into this. We're doing sports music the next week and then next week is our harry potter extravaganza yeah. because it's fantastic beasts week which has been a movie that i'm looking forward to a lot um especially around like holiday christmas season yeah i think i'm also going to see um rhapsody yeah and nutcracker in the four realms um i think that looks looks kind of cool um it could be bad it could be really bad it could be oz the great and powerful or alice in wonderland or it could be kind of cool yeah um yeah we'll see it does look kind of cool. So for Harry Potter, we're going to go through all nine of the Harry Potter movies. And you're more of a movie person than a book person. And I've yep. read and seen – I've read the books a bunch and I've seen the movies a bunch. So I'll, I'll have that sort of input. And I'm very, very curious to see how you feel about the movies as standalone things yep. because yep. they've always been adaptations to me. Yeah, for me, they've I quit, always, I quit, always reading, been, quit reading halfway through book five. They've so. always been like visual representations of the books. Yeah. Um, so our rankings of the movies may differ very much. I think so. I think I rank them very much based on how they 
adapt adapt the books. Interesting. Whereas I, yeah, I think they they might I might rank them as they work how as they work as movies. Yeah. So yeah. look look forward to that. 